This is the Wildflower Bee Farm Report for Sunday, September 6, 2020. It's a cool morning today, and it really, really makes you start thinking about winter and what's a, what's ahead of us. So this week, uh, the, um, the wood uh, boxes arrived where we were going to. We, are, we did make, sorry, the, um, the moisture quilts with a screen on the bottom, about two inches high, two to three inches high. Screen on the bottom, two holes for ventilation that are also screened, and uh, pine shavings, I call them, or pine chips, as the um, as the assistant to this, to help with the uh, water and the moisture. So when looking at the hives, we started putting them on. I've, I've put them on uh, 10 hives so far, and also experimenting with the B-Dry where we're going to put the bee dry pillow on a few of them, and some even with the bee dry pillow and shavings on top. What I noticed when I went in is these bee, these bees are just packed with honey. I mean, they um, most of the boxes I opened were um, deeps with a small or medium on top, and just full of honey. And so they don't seem to need to do a lot of work, although they continue to to forage. Even even the singles that have been um, you know, basically not touched, have been out uh, foraging. And I'm, uh, when I open them up this week to finish putting all the um, moisture quilts on top, I'll be interested to see what's happening inside those hives. Just did a walk around and saw that um, continually there are a number of bees bearding, even though it's fairly cool out there, which tells me there's no room. Uh, they're not foraging today, this morning anyway. Um, and so that kind of tells me that in the singles, they're just, they've just run out of room, and hopefully there'll be enough space for the queen to lay uh, the eggs she needs to lay for the, uh, the group of winter bees that will take them through the winter. So we'll have a look at that when we get in. Again, we don't, you know, and this is one of the things, I've only been at this four years. When you start in this, they talk about you should, um, you know, inspect your hives about every two weeks. That's what they say. Now, if you choose to do that, that's great. I'm just telling you what I started to wonder about. So when you when you inspect a brood uh, chamber or the area where the nest is and, and the queen and the eggs and larvae, what you're doing basically is you're opening up the top. If you have another box on top or two, you're removing those, which you should, of course. But then when you open up and start taking out the frames, you're breaking the propolis, the the sort of the security they put around the um, glue if you will and the antibiotic material you're just disrupting their whole house basically and, and putting them on edge that's how I see it I mean I, I could be totally wrong so what I've been doing this year is, is almost unless required to do something like put in the thymol strips or the formic acid for mites or to um, you know put in queens when we were doing some requeening um, or splits, there's no reason really to open up and look because if you, you know, I, I watch them every day from the outside and you can kind of tell from watching on the outside what's going on inside the hive. And that's been really telling. Uh, we, we noticed very quickly, if you remember, the hives that didn't have queens just by watching what's happening outside and, and engaging in an intervention. Then opening up the hive and making sure by looking for you know, eggs or larvae, not find them, and then combining those hives with other hives, who are really doing well right now. They're very strong. The goldenrod's blooming everywhere. It's just, um, it's just a sea of goldenrod. We continue to have white clover and crimson clover. 
as well as the wildflowers, and that will probably take us all the way to frost. So this week the plan is to finish the uh, rest of the moisture blankets and the um, bee pillows, bee dry pillows, and then to simply document that and observe from the outside and uh, nothing to be done now till spring. Every hive that was um, what I would call an original hive, so if it wasn't split, actually even some of the splits were provided thymol, but if it wasn't a late split, then it would have been provided either either thymol or formic acid for the uh, varroa mite. Now remember the thymol and the formic acid are considered natural treatments. Thymol comes from the thyme, thyme plant, which is the herb you probably use in your kitchen. And formic acid is a, is a natural occurring acid that actually you find in honey and it's apparently related to the sting you find in ants. And in high concentrations, it, it doesn't hurt bees, but it does hurt, hurt the mites. And with formic acid, it also will get mites that are inside the uh, larvae. So even though they may be in a capped cell, the idea being that formic acid will be uh, somewhat effective in uh, eliminating those as well. Some beekeepers also do uh, what's called an um, alcohol wash, which is another way to say we're going to look at about 100 bees and calculate how many mites are on those bees, and then based on those bees provide some form of treatment. Well, you're kind of purposely killing 100 bees to do the 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 wash which is fine if that's if that's the way you want to do it but in my case I simply believe that in the fall because of where we live and what's happening in our world using an organic um, substance such as thymol or formic acid is necessary because even if you have one hive with uh, with excessive mites they obviously can with drift meaning some bees go to other hives not their own hive they can transfer those mites and cause problems um, another thing that, that, that I keep thinking about is, I, is I, and this is my final point for today, as I walk through our farm, it takes a great deal of effort to find the hives because we've, we've put a lot of isolated hives in different parts of the farm and the bush. We have a section where, I, to test this out, I've put hives together. So there's a section where we have three hives fairly close, as you would see them in a sort of a bee yard or what's called an apiary. Another section where we have four uh, hives and then after that the most you'll see together would be two in the majority of cases it's one and they are spread out some you can actually see around the corner but they're generally separated by mounds of soil or trees and we're going to expand on that this year once we see what happens this winter it may be that next year all our hives will be in isolated spots we have a map a bee map that tells us where to go on the farm to to find the hives um, I'm also fascinated by the hives that we've kind of hidden within the um, spruce groves. So these trees are, are all around the hives. The hives are in, in a very protected spot from the north wind, east, south, and west. It's, it's, it's amazing. And they're, they're in an evergreen or, or spruce um, sort of an area that's protected. And they have thrived. We have two. I just tested two hives doing that. And so far, um, it's been phenomenal. We'll see how they survive the winter and what happens in the spring. But what I can say to you is that most of the science tells you, you know, the front hive of a bee, uh, of a beehive, the front part of a beehive should be in the sun. They need sun to, 
trigger different behaviors. And I, I've been watching the the two hives and that are somewhat isolated, and they continue to thrive, just continue to thrive. So we'll keep an eye on those, and uh, and that's another interesting part of our more observational research or environmental research where we're watching what the bees are doing. Final point with the ample amount of um, goldenrod and the crimson clover and also the white sweet clover. I'm interested to watch how they choose and what they choose and do they separate it out and perhaps get variety of different pollen and nectar. So that's kind of a fun thing to watch. We'll be starting to prepare for the fall planting of the native uh, prairie grasses and wildflowers, which we should be doing late October. So going to start with some, you know, we have a section of balanza clover that uh, is all finished now and dried up, so we're going to chop, um, bush hog that, and disc it up so that we can plant our wildflower seeds there as well. So we're gradually going to move through and get that prepared for um, probably sometime mid to late October. All right, that's the report for this week. You have an amazing one. Remember, you can go to wildflowerbeefarm.com. Uh, join us, become a member, share share in our journey. Uh, this week, there's a video I just posted about actually doing the, um, putting one of the uh, moisture uh, blankets on top of a hive, and you might find it interesting to have a look. Talk soon, and have a great one. This is Henry from wildflowerbeefarm.com.